0: Hello, this is Adam S. Leslie, co-host of this very podcast. A quick plug before we start, my folk horror novel, Lost in the Garden, is now out and available in all good bookshops, including Blackwells and Waterstones. And now, back to your regularly scheduled RetroTube. tube. <laughs> Welcome to RetroTube Archive Television Podcast, the most devilishly handsome and roguishly charming of all Archive Television Podcasts. I'm Adam, this character peering sheepishly over the fence is Heather, and in a change from the advertised programme, we're going to be looking at one of the three ancient pillars of BBC children's television. There's Blue Peter, there's Doctor Who, and then there's Grange Hill. (laughs) Grange Hill was a soapy drama series set in a North London comprehensive school which ran for 601 episodes between 1978 and 2008. Here at RetroTube we normally keep an eye out for Secret Scousers, and this week Grange Hill itself is the Secret Scouser, having been created by Liverpool's own Phil Redmond, and then relocating to Liverpool for the final five years of its run. We watched two episodes, episodes three and nine, from 1989 season 12, the final to feature the Chicken Man theme tune, as well as many of Grange Hill's most famous characters, including Gonch Gardner, Ziggy Greaves and, of course, the iconic Mr. Morris Bronson. So, Heather, please tell us about your relationship, or otherwise, with the mighty Grange Hill. Banned
1: in our house. Banned in our house.
0: Why was it banned in your house?
1: Well, there are a few, a few television shows that were banned in our house. Tis Was, Grainchill, The Two Big Ones. Sometimes it was sort of banned under the guise of being morally repugnant or just generally bad and terrible. But it, it usually actually fell under two categories. Either the show itself was crap or Dad just didn't like somebody in it. So <laughs> Tiz Was, for example, banned because he hated Chris Tarrant. Fair. Which is fair.
0: Yep. He said to you, we don't want to give you that.
1: That is exactly what he said. <laughs> So Grange Hill was banned, I think, because of Dad's hatred of children and Southerners. I just think so yeah, no, I've never seen I've never seen Grange Hill ever. This was it. I think maybe my older sisters, I don't really want to get them into trouble because okay, <laughs> like, you know
0: yeah.
1: <clears throat> Nobody's gonna shout at them now. Uh, I think my sisters may have sneakily watched it uh... in the seventies when it was all, you know, Todd Carty before he learned to ice skate and things. Um but yeah. I certainly never watched an episode in my life until today. Until Until today, today.
0: until this very day. We've looked at series 12, which is one of the later ones. So we're we're going back to uh, 1989 for this one, uh, which is a lot later than possibly a lot of people would remember so we don't have Zamo in this one and we don't we don't have the whole Zamo and Jackie thing and Zamo on his heroine and Jackie wanted to get married at 16 we don't have Roland Browning and we don't have Bullet Baxter we don't have Gripper and so a lot of the iconic we don't have Laura Reagan uh, a lot of the iconic characters are are not in this but I picked this series because I was 13 14 when this went out I think I was I think I would have just turned thir- fourteen quite recently, so I was at secondary school by this time, and I was this was kind of the height of when I was enjoying it the most.
1: And can I say this will this is all going to this is all going to eventually come out in the episode? But oh my god, I'm so so glad you chose the, this series.
0: <laughs> oh really? Why is that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, you say the pop star Michelle Gale, like Michelle Gale's the only pop star in the village.
0: Oh, there is another pop star in this, isn't there?
1: There are two more. I there are two, two more. more. Oh, OK. There are two more who I loved so much. Really? I was so excited. I was so excited.
0: <laughs> so who were the other two? I know um, uh, Tegs Radcliffe. Sean Maguire. Things I actually like saw Sean Maguire supporting
1: Boyzone on tour oh, really? in 1996 oh, at Manchester Apollo. Oh, I love Sean Maguire. Just don't even start with how much I love Sean Maguire. tiny,
0: tiny, microscopic Sean Maguire in this. He's like the size of a mouse.
1: He's <laughs> a baby Sean Maguire. Sean Maguire as an actual fetus. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the only pop star. No, 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 no. Oh, really? Um, there is also John Alford.
0: <laughs> John Alford. <laughs> Yes, the, the slightly terrifying John Olford.
1: You see, well, uh, 13-year-old me mm. absolutely loved that man. Really? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, yeah I, I often make a thing of uh, of saying that the first CD single that I actually ever bought with my own money mm. uh, was Three Lions, which is pretty embarrassing. Oh but my, I mean, a it's got a nice good
0: melody. <laughs> How well did that make it me wasn't... sound? <laughs>
1: It wasn't, it wasn't, it was like the joint first single I ever bought, mm. because I bought that, and at the same time I bought a, the double A side of Only You and Blue Moon by John Alford. Yeah, that's right, that's right, I'm the one who bought that.
0: Wow, those those are some old songs.
1: I think he released three singles and I bought all three of them and I recorded his appearance on top of the pox and oh my god, how much was I mad? I even watched one Burning* hmm. because he was in that. Yeah. How much did I love John Alford? I was at so, so horribly, horribly the 13. So, yeah, this was great for me.
0: And then he became a very angry man outside courthouses.
1: He did become a very angry man but he kind of always looked like he was going to become a very angry man. Side of houses, I do mind. Because he's
0: quite small and dinky and cute, but also really scowly.
1: Yes, this is exactly what my type looks like, Adam. Have you ever met me?
0: This is true.
1: Small, dinky, cute, also furious.
0: <laughs> very, very grumpy.
1: <laughs> so grumpy. Constantly
0: rolling his eyes.
1: I know, I love that. I'm, I'm
0: surrounded by idiots <laughs> on every side of me. To
1: be
0: fair, he was. Mm. To be fair he was indeed. Yes. <laughs> yes, this is this is Robbie, of course. For anyone not familiar yes. with John Alford, but familiar with Grange Hill, ro- little Robbie. Small, yes. angry Robbie. I won't be trying to chat her up for Ronnie's party. She's booked. Oh, grow up, will you rob look, and expect that's sort what of you're thinking idiots, not yourself. So what was all that about?
2: Well, it's the friend's foundation for Mola. she's gonna do for this. For Mola? Yeah, look, look, I said it was for you. You're unbelievable. No, I said it was for you look I was too embarrassed to tell her like you said, you know. Too embarrassed. Just don't take too many liberty scares. Just don't. Robbie, ready?
1: Also probably kept all hair gel companies
0: in business during the late 80s, by the look of things. Yes, we're, we're into late 80s hair spiking, which was a bit of a, um epidemic at my school. I just suddenly went in one day and all my classmates, their hair was poking up on end.
1: <laughs> Did you not get the memo?
0: I didn't. <laughs> well, they said, I remember vividly somebody saying that they're going to get their hair spiked, and me being incredibly square, even aged like 12, 13... I thought they were gonna get like the punk rocker sort of, you know, just a single big
1: Like rhin- an actual Mohawk.
0: Like a uh, like a rhino horn sort of deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it wasn't that and I was quite disappointed. It's like, oh it's just, just it. poking up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a shame, what a shame.
0: I thought they were gonna all gonna kinda oh. come in as cone heads.
1: <laughs> Do you know something similar happened when I was at high school? Because there was a big overnight kind of shift between all boys having kind of like mid, mid-length hair and a centre parting. Yes. A.K.A. the 90s hair.
0: <laughs> the curtains.
1: And then one day they just all woke up and spiked their hair and then also dyed the tips blonde. There was a whole frosted tips kind of oh, oh yeah. phase.
0: This is a, a slightly monumental day for you that you've finally been allowed after all these years to watch Grange Hill. So what do you think? Uh,
1: well i mean i felt like it was actually it wasn't like the the least accurate portrayal of a school i'd ever seen Mm. and in fact i found it so reminiscent of actually being at school that it it kind of brought back some memories i didn't need oh dear um (laughs) yeah no not not a fan of anything school related really no um so, yeah, uh, there was that. There was that. It really made me not... I, you know when... And in fact, while I was watching it, you know the school smell? You know the high school smell? Yes. I got that. That ca- kind of kept wafting through the wow. room and I was like, hmm, just <laughs> God, calm, calm down synesthesia. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit weird. Uh, but it was really nice to see... Uh, it was really nice to see Michelle Gale, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Hattie from EastEnders, oh, okay. a.k.a. everyone's favourite pop star from the 90s and do you know what was really nice And um, in fact they did make a note of this i don't know if it's because like i've just i've not been to london for such a long time i haven't actually been to london since 2014 wow so yeah i know it's been a really really long time so i found it quite difficult to understand what the hell any of the children were saying
0: <laughs> with their north london accents
1: Until Ziggy came on, I was like, thank God
0: Like a breath of fresh air, wafting through like a breath of fresh air. Like finally somebody without an impenetrable accent. Hey kids, are you like us? That was it,
1: that's exactly what happened. All these kids were just like mashing all words together in ways that didn't sound, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, that's, exactly <laughs> what, that's exactly what happened. And then Ziggy started talking. I was like, thank you. Thank you, at last, somebody I understand. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, so, so that was that was good. It was all right. I kind of see why Dad banned it.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's not, it wasn't that satanic.
1: It wasn't awful. So, yeah, no, there was there was Ask and A Scottish Man.
0: There was. Um,
1: But everybody else just, like, seriously probably didn't even know where the M25 was.
0: Yes, everyone else was quite posh or just from North London. We should talk a little bit about the very, very famous theme tune and the opening titles because, disappointingly for everyone involved, I haven't picked uh, a series which has the famous Sausage on a Fork opening titles. I don't know if you're familiar with the original Grange Hill opening titles at all? No For for years and years, for essentially 1978 through to 1988 so for the first 10 years, the opening titles were a different arrangement of the same music uh, which is called Chicken Man by the late Alan Hawkshaw, he died a couple of weeks ago from the time of the oh, season.
1: bloody. This is
0: a shame. Yeah,
1: it's a good tune. It's a good, tune.
0: It's, it's good, a good tune. tune. it's a bit of a... It's a piece of library music, so it wasn't composed especially for the show. And it was also used on Give Us a Clue.
1: Because,
0: of course. So it's an extremely famous theme tune that was also used on a game show, which is quite odd. It'd just be like Blankety Blank having the EastEnders theme tune as well, or something like that. That's very odd. Do you know, I think
1: I'd probably start watching EastEnders if I had a
0: Blank Yes, so the original opening title's that were on for 10 years was sort of like a pages from a comic book as if Grange Hill was a comic and it was all the panels of the kids and it was like a lady blowing a whistle as two children went for a ball in the game of netball um, and the kids swimming in the swimming baths. Um, but the most memorable and famous bit in it is a sausage skewered on the end of a fork flying... Across the room, across the canteen. Ah, uh, yes,
1: because nothing, nothing says high school life like a
0: sausage it's on a fork. Like a sausage on a fork, airborne, making its way across the room.
1: <laughs> of course. It happened, it happened at least once a week at my
0: high school. Exactly. So if you say to anyone who grew up watching BBC television in the 70s and 80s, you say sausage on a fork, everyone knows... What you're talking about, and I think there is even a Twitter account called Sausage on a Fork. Shout
1: out to Sausage on a Fork.
0: But we didn't watch the Sausage on a Fork opening titles, we watched the brand new one. It has a new arrangement of the theme tune that they used for 1988 and 1989, uh, and a new, much more angular, groovy, very, very, very angular opening titles.
1: Very angular. Mm
0: -hmm. Very, very late 80s. It involves a television making its way across screen showing. I wrote it down because somebody has to. Yeah,
1: that's true, because you knew I wouldn't
0: have. No. <laughs> Sylvester the Cat, a glamorous woman, Phil Cool, an owl, the Superman logo, and a smiley face.
1: I don't know why I wrote that
0: down, but it's one of those things that always intrigued me, because it goes past so quickly.
1: There's a girl in school uniform with a, with a skirt that is at a very peculiar
0: length. Oh, really? Okay. I don't go around looking at schoolgirl's skirts. If you're not a Londoner, like I'm not, Mm. it's quite surreal the day you go to London and look at a tube map and find out that Grange Hill is a real place. It's not a fictionalised part of London. There is a real place called Grange Hill in North London. You are joking. I'm not. You can go there on the tube and everything. What? I know. It's like, at least in the bill they invented Sun Hill, so you can't actually go there.
1: You can go to Sun Hill sometimes, because, you
0: you know, you did. Yeah, I mean, I watched the bill. You were in the bill. Hey, you catchphrase. We got a catchphrase. <laughs> yep, it's
1: been used in three episodes now. Yep. Count them. <laughs> Officially a
0: catchphrase. <laughs> Twice as coincidence, three times as a catchphrase.
1: I can't believe Hill's a real place. I am, I'm shook, as the kids might say.
0: <laughs> so we normally... For this, if there, if the, an episode is fifty minutes, we normally watch two, and if an episode is half an hour, twenty-five minutes, we normally watch three. But there's so much going on in every episode there of Great Show that we actually only watch two episodes because they are incredibly dense, and it's good because they don't feel it. They they manage. I think managed to get a good balance, a good pacing that it doesn't feel rushed or airless or just a jumble. They managed to somehow structure it so that there's a ton of stuff going on in this. Because they're 25-minute episodes.
1: They are. They do feel more like 50-minute episodes, though, because of the amount of stuff that's happening. Mm. It's quite a wild ride.
0: And I think also it's one of those shows like Blake 7 and like Prisoner Cell Block H in so much as... I think when it first started in the late 70s, it was a lot grittier and was a lot more like to do with youth unemployment and racial divisions and that sort of thing, and probably shot on 16mm film. I haven't watched the earlier ones in quite a while, but I get the sense that the earlier ones were a lot more grittily realistic, whereas these episodes, apart from one particular moment, were quite jolly, weren't they, really? They
1: were quite jolly, apart from one particular moment. I mean, to be fair, it was the last particular moment, so it came as quite
0: a surprise. quite a reversal of tone. Yeah. Quite a sudden switch in tone.
1: Yes, I was not expecting that.
0: Generally, it's about hijinks and larks.
1: There is a lot of hijinks. There are larks.
0: And I get the sense that a lot of the the younger actors were essentially playing it for comedy. (laughs) Particularly (laughs) the dimwit. Ginger dimwit, Trevor Cleaver.
1: Oh, 30-year-old man (laughs) dressed as a schoolboy. That was... Um... The first episode we watched was episode three. That's and right, yeah. my first two sentences are Why is there a thirty-year-old ginger man dressed as a schoolboy? <laughs> oh my god, John Alford!
0: <laughs> so you didn't know that John Alford was gonna be in Grange Hill?
1: No, I didn't. I mean I knew that he I knew that he was in it, but I didn't know that he was going to be in the episodes that we watched before I started watching them. <laughs> Some of the storylines I was like, ah, yes, I know what's happening here. I'm I'm picking up on this. But um yeah, a lot of them I was just like, I don't know who this person is, I don't know who you are, I don't
0: know what the point of view is <laughs> No, I, it's difficult because that's the thing. Most of these characters, apart from the really little kids like tiny Sean Maguire, you'll have a yes. long standing relationship with already. Like the last essentially four or five years growing up with these same kids. Yeah. So we would know exactly who Gonch Gardner is and Ziggy Greaves is and those sorts of things. Yeah, I get that. So you're getting thrown in at the deep end.
1: I am a little bit.
0: Like Jonah. Uh, That's an in-joke. He's
1: reading (laughs) Queen. I didn't
0: really appreciate Trevor Cleaver at the time He was just sort of like an annoying buffoon Who was just always like irritating everyone And getting in the way and being a bit of a thug But I found him so entertaining this time round He was quite entertaining like, uh, He's played by John Drummond Trevor,
2: Robbie, what are you doing? I was just going to um, turn the sound up, sir Really? I had no idea you were interested in the rainforests of Brazil Definitely Hey boys Oh yeah, yeah, definitely Well you do surprise me you always look so bored in geography lessons. No, so you, you've got me all wrong. I've always been interested in in ecology and stuff like that. Ecology. Yeah, ecology. Mandy, is this true? Well, yes. They do seem rather interested in certain animals and their relation to forestation.
0: He's putting on such an entertaining. He's very physical. He's always just shoving people about. There's one bit in one episode where there's a kid with a walk-on, a walk-on part. He's just got one line that he delivers to Trevor Cleaver, and John Drummond grabs this kid and th- throws him literally to the floor. He does, but he's always just sort of like aiming kicks at kids that are passing, shoving people, and he's just having a whale of a time. He's and he's just so dim. It's brilliant. He
1: is, and um, I never really got over the fact that he's clearly like about ninety. <laughs> just like nobody is that old until he goes to school um he's like the uh he's like the the old guy in in the mouse on the mickey mouse club uh who is just kind of like lurking there at the back trying to be all down with the kids and uh <laughs> not really uh not really fooling anyone
0: my favorite trevor moment and it's such a good moment that it earns the final freeze frame of the End credits of episode three. It's the bit where they're all in the changing room and the other kids are talking about something and they mention him and he gives them a really sort of clueless look but he's wearing his shorts on his head. Yeah! And and I actually laughed out loud at that. <laughs>
1: Although, what's that time Tim Brooke Taylor put my knickers on his head? But. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> Hang
0: I on. <laughs> I don't know about Tim Brooke Taylor putting your knickers on his head. What was this about?
1: Oh, it actually did happen. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that another time. Do we have to? Anyway.
0: Um... We... On. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up a minute.
1: <laughs> it's true.
0: It's true. It Tell us. We can't just... The the listeners will not concentrate on the rest of the episode because they'll be wondering <laughs> they'll be how, t- how, how your knickers head. ended up on Timbrook Taylor's head. Um, <laughs>
1: and does, does uh, mrs
0: brooke taylor know about this
1: i think mrs brooke taylor was fine with it okay. I, I yeah there was there was no there's, there's never been a problem between me and mrs brooke taylor don't oh, you that's worry That's all right then. it was all a lot more innocent than it sounds but <laughs> that is what happened anyway <sighs> let's talk about grain shill
0: so there's no story
1: there is, a, there is a story, but we might use it for the goodies episode.
0: All right, then. Say, so there's a preview for the goodies episode. Now, forget that and concentrate on, <laughs> on the grain chill things we're talking about. Because <laughs> it's the kind of thing, if I was listening to a podcast, I'd just be like, thinking, what?
1: I <laughs> 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 mean, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you if you want, but like... Go not tell just... us. Okay, okay. When I was following, uh, when, when I went to Edinburgh Festival in, uh, in 2013, three four I think one of one of the years maybe even been later anyway it doesn't matter what year it was the point is Graham and Tim were doing a show at, at Edinburgh Festival for the whole run and I went up with some girls and it was my job I don't know how I got robed into this but it was my job to make costumes for us for each night because you know we wanted to we wanted to like go and show our support so I <clears throat> I made like some t-shirts and I made like a little gibbon glove for myself mm. for uh for what and which Graham particularly liked I said it would be really really funny if somebody threw some knickers up on stage at the end and so I got some and I decorated them all in like you know goodie type slogans like goody goody yum yum and I'm a goodie and anything anytime you know things like you find fine on a pair of knickers of course um <laughs> And at the end of the very first show, and they only, they only actually sang a song on the very, very, very first night. They didn't do it after that. Uh, but they sang Wild Thing. And um, at the end, I threw the knickers up on stage and um, Graham saw them pointed, burst out laughing. Tim saw them, physically shoved Graham out the way, <laughs> ran to pick them up, um, walked off stage like twirling them round his finger. And I was like, this is literally the funniest thing I have ever seen in my life. And then we were waiting backstage to see them. And then <laughs> they came out and uh, Tim saw me. He pointed at me and then he, he kind of like rummaged around in his bag. And he got the knickers out and put them on his head like, hey! <laughs> 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 so, yeah, <Fantastic>. that's that.
0: <laughs> now we can all relax. <laughs>
1: We can, we can, yeah. Tim Brooke Taylor loved
0: me. Oh, he's only human. You're very lovable.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, Grange Hill.
0: Back to the dimwit Trevor Cleaver, who thinks that his friend Vince has second sight because he predicted everything that would happen the first morning back, including the ceiling collapsing. And the ceiling has indeed right in the corridor has indeed collapsed. So Trevor thinks that now thinks that Vince is psychic.
1: Right, okay. That's that is why that is why Robbie is getting very grumpy about the whole possibility of ESP being a thing. Yes,
0: he he does spend the entire episode rolling his eyes at how big Absolutely Trevor Cleaver does. is and just throwing his hands up in despair. So I made a note here as well we meet uh, George A. Cooper. And I think one of the good things about Grange Hill is that it had all these young actors in, but it was held up by... There's always a good collection of stalwarts from Archive TV. So in this we have George A. Cooper, who was in lots of things, and you're probably familiar to you because he was in stuff like Danger Man and... All sorts of things that you would watch. He was the uh, caretaker. Yes,
1: I knew, I knew him from somewhere. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's one of those character actors who would turn up just in small roles in lots of things. He
1: he was just gainfully employed all of the time.
0: Exactly. Gwyneth Powell as the iconic Miss McCl Mrs McCluskey, the headmistress, and of course the wonderful Michael Sheard, who we'll get to in a bit. Uh, but also one of the teachers later on was our own uh, Anna Quayle playing Miss Monroe.
2: You look just like him.
0: Good. Oh. You're the first one to said that ever.
1: Yes, you do, look. She's not lacking at all.
0: Her character, Miss Ru- Munro, made the fatal teacher error that all teachers inevitably make, she said.
2: Now, my name, as you know, is Mrs Munro. Now, in other schools I've taught in, I have been given a nickname, a nickname based on a famous American film star. Now, I would like you all to know that if, I hear that name being used. I will arrange for you to meet my big brother. And when I say big, I mean B I G big.
0: And then, of course, from that point on, everyone called her Marilyn because that's exactly what teachers always do and they never learn. George A. Cooper, his middle name was Alphonsus. Oh. And I think that's rather wonderful.
1: I just thought his middle name was A.
0: And then we meet. Ronnie, Callie and Fiona, who are all a bit interchangeable. One thing I noticed from watching this is that the show is definitely more interested in the boys than it is in the girls.
1: It is, because all they did was read the star signs.
0: Read the star signs, they planned a party, they don't have much in the way of characters. I mean, it's sort of realistic because you do get a lot of kids who are fairly interchangeable. It's not like, in real life, there's like, there's the cynical one, there's the grumpy one, there's the thick one, you know, people aren't that groups of people aren't that clearly defined in real life so it's quite organic that you get these groups of kids who are a little bit interchangeable with each other yeah but definitely the girls don't really get anything fun to do the boys get all the hijinks they do they get all the running around and the scheming and they get all the fun funny stuff to do and the girls mostly guests get complaining oh stop it cut it out ziggy stop it Oh, get off. What are you doing? Leave me alone. Oh, Ziggy, Robbie, stop it. That's all they do in this. Wow.
1: I thought you'd been kidnapped and (laughs) been replaced by a Cockney girl. It was a worrying moment for me. Wow.
0: They're not Cockneys. They're North Londoners.
1: No, that's true. Sorry. Mm. You will be.
0: Girls just want to have fun, but they don't get to in Grange Hill. They don't. They
1: do get to plan parties and, and read horoscopes, though.
0: And they have a uh, Michael Caine-based Moment of Enlightenment where they decide to have an A party and a B party.
1: And I did write that Michelle Gale's Michael Caine impression is perfect.
0: Sort of. <laughs> it, it, it's so much she, she says not a lot of people know that.
1: It was absolutely not. She literally just says line that he's never
0: said. Yeah, no, because Peter Sellers invented it.
1: We start the night at the church hall. Yeah, and finish at half ten. All the deadbeats, wimps and roars go home. And all the people you really wanted to come to your party, come back to my house for an all-nighter. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. Not a lot of people know that.
0: There's Vince, who is the one who's supposed to be psychic, but clearly isn't. He's, he's the archetypal long streak of misery.
1: He is absolutely... Um, in fact, my note was, because I still at this point didn't know who was who, the old ginger man grabs the newspaper <laughs> off the girls to nab the sports pages and then goes to, back to play poor old John Alford with more chat about ESP. He makes a very grumpy boy pick a Norse. Must be something to do with Thor and Loki. <laughs> Savage? Just pick a Norse.
2: Why? Just pick a nose.
1: It, it was actually a horse and some some gambling was mm. going to happen i don't 100 know how any 15 year old children in their school uniforms could have put any bet on but do you know what i'm not going to criticize i don't i don't know i don't know the ins and outs of gambling
0: would you id trevor cleaver
1: i wouldn't need to he's clearly thirsty. exactly
0: <laughs> my point entirely <laughs> Yeah, Vince is, Vince is one of those characters who just always looks unhappy about everything. He's just very tall and thin and just wanders around looking put upon by the universe.
1: Yes, he's like Smiler in Last of the Summer Wine.
0: I never got that far into Last of the Summer Wine.
1: Oh, he was Nora Norabati's lodger for years. He was played by um, Oh, fellow who used to be on on the buses.
0: Um, oh, yeah. The, the fellow that played Blakey, I forget tall his Tall, miserable
1: name. guy. hmm who probably was like really funny and and, and happy in real life? Probably, yeah. Played played miserable really
0: well. What an excellent segue for us to speak about Michael Sheard, who was uh, seemed like a really lovely man in real life. He seems like he was an absolute sweetheart playing. Well, see, here's the thing. What did you think to Mr. Bronson?
1: Which
0: one was Mr. Bronson? He's the, he's the very he's Michael Sheard's character. He's the very angry teacher with the wig.
1: Oh, I hated the very angry teacher in the wig. Oh, I made a note about this. Um, hang on a minute. Wasn't this fella number two in an episode of The Prisoner? He's getting right up in some kid's grill. I don't like that. I hate teachers. Oh, was he
0: number two in The Prisoner? Oh, he he gets killed off at the beginning of the Persuaders episode that we watched.
1: Oh, yes. That's who he was. Yes, no, he, I think he just looked a bit like Colin Jack. Not Colin Jackson,
0: Colin Gordon. He he wasn't Colin Gordon, no, this is Michael Sheard, who's just been in everything. He has been in Doctor Who, Blake 7, every bit of television there is. He was in Empire Strikes Back. Lord Vader, the fleet has moved out of light speed and we're preparing to...
2: You have failed me for the last time, Admiral.
0: He played Hitler in... Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. But this Blimey. is his signature role. This is what he's really known for. Oh,
1: he was mean. He's mean. Very mean. mean.
0: Yes, you're, you're meant to hate him.
1: Oh, well, good good job because, because I did.
0: He's a very hissable villain. It's the thing as well. Ooh. At the time when you're watching this as a child, he's terrifying.
1: As a 38-year-old woman, he's terrifying, <laughs> Adam.
0: Watching it now, I'm just seeing a brilliant comedy performance. He is so chewing the scenery. He's really really enjoying this
1: he really is i have asked
2: every teacher concerned to keep a special record of your movements in addition to which i myself will be making frequent spot checks now observe monday morning Double gymnastics, followed by mathematics, and then double English. Lunch in the school canteen, followed by careers advice, and double chemistry in the afternoon. There will not be one moment of any day when I shall not know exactly where you are supposed to be. Nothing to say? When do you add the barbed wire and searchlights?
0: Mm. And and just sort of knowing what a nice man he he was apparently as well just makes it all the more obvious how much fun he's having. Uh, oh well, that's
1: that's all right. So long as when the director shouted cut, he was like, "I'm so sorry, I didn't mean." Did did I actually skate? I hope did actually
0: skate. So the character of Danny Kendall actually it's it's a shame because the two episodes I picked. Uh, neither Mr Bronson nor Danny Kendall appear in it that much but they were essentially arch enemies in the show for several years so oh. Danny Kendall never really attended lessons he couldn't be bothered with school he was a bit of, of outsider always just a bit vague he'd just wander off and do whatever he fancied hmm. and so they were deadly enemies essentially including this scene which I just thought was brilliant where he over enunciates everything at him and is furious but in real life they were lifelong friends jonathan
1: oh
0: jonathan lambeth played danny kendall michael sheard and jonathan lambeth
1: oh i feel so much better about everything now
0: mm, yes they they were lifelong friends and
1: yeah i was definitely getting some some flashbacks i didn't need
0: oh dear um
1: during that scene so i really didn't like it uh no but yes i'm, I'm glad that they actually liked each other they did yes <laughs> Yes, uh,
0: and I actually I think you can tell at other scenes as well that, that weren't in these episodes that we watched that they do have a bit of chemistry in the scenes together that they have together. There's definitely sort of, they're playing off each other quite well.
2: Almost in time for registration, I see. So what are you complaining about? I understand you have had an interesting conversation with Mrs. McCluskey. Maybe. Some teachers are worth talking to. You should be listening, not talking. We've worked out a contract. Contract? Which I'm prepared to stick to. The rules are what you should stick to, boy. The same rules for everyone. Not everyone's the same. School is not a restaurant where you may pick and choose from a menu. No, just stuff it down your throat till you're sick of it. You should I be agreed a- with Mrs. McCluskey. I wouldn't be late. So if you'll excuse me, sir. You have not defeated me, Kendall.
0: What you say it doesn't matter anymore. But Michael Sheard is just—he's one of the greats. I think. anytime he appears in anything, it's always improved.
1: That's what you said when we were recording The Persuaders. So you must really believe
0: it. it's true. And he'd turn up on shows like Going Live, or he'd be on the Broom Cupboards in character as Mr. Bronson. But he wouldn't be playing a secondary school languages teacher who'd been invited onto a television show. He would be the whole character transposed into a different show he was the only grange hill character that could actually escape the show which made him that little bit more scary that he wasn't just confined to grange hill in the way that everyone else was he could escape it and he could he could come into the broom cupboard with philip schofield and he could stalk your nightmares the way that he stalked the corridors of grange hill school so that made him that little bit larger than life he's like the Candyman or something he's he's a a proper stalking demon coming coming through the corridors. He was all the nightmare teachers that all the children had ever had, concentrated and boiled down into one single bewigged, mustachioed, terrifying teacher growling and roaring and screaming you boy out of windows although actually when he was on other shows even though he was being this menacing character he would have a bit of a twinkle and having said all that he did feel a little bit safe and a little bit neutered when he was on going live you kind of got more sense of the jollity the joy that the actor had playing this character and interacting with philip schofield or sarah green or the the pop stars in the same way that he would interact with Danny Kendall or Ziggy Greaves or any of the other mischievous characters and there's something special that my generation of British kids experienced watching Empire Strikes Back that no one else in the world really had which was seeing Darth Vader force choke Mr Bronson on the cinema screen it was like yes he's he's been defeated by space mr bronson because that's what darth vader is he's essentially space mr bronson he's the he's the grumpy languages teacher in the black helmet and the long cape shouting "you boy" out the window at luke skywalker and chasing han solo in his car it was all rather magnificent he was this wonderfully primal character in a way that the other stern or fierce or strict teachers on grange hill never really captured he was universal.
2: So, please, vote for Mr Bronson. Don't vote for me. Um, there's no reason why I should go in the dunk tank. I think Mr Bronson is the man you should vote for. We've seen him on Grange Hill. <coughs> we've, we've seen... Oh. You. Mr. Bronson. Boy. Bulldozer, or whatever your mm-hmm. name is. It's, uh, it's, it's Crane, Mr Crane, Crane. Yes, sir. Your viewers will know that I took my dunking last Tuesday. I do not intend to be dunked again. No no, sir, no. No, I think therefore I shall remain here to make sure you behave yourself. <clears throat> yeah, as well. As I was saying, if you want to vote for me You, is... boys and girls, you will not vote for me on February the fifth. You will vote for Crane.
0: <sighs> yes. Th- f- thank you, Mr. Bronson. Um <clears throat> so I mean Grange Hill's one of those shows where essentially because it's very, very character-based. It is. It's mainly about going through going through the characters who are on screen. And the next ones we meet are Marlon McCall and the wonderfully named Ted Fisk, his small, squeaky-voiced sidekick-stroke henchman. Marlon McCall is the big bad right. in terms of the school bullies. But even he is quite... Lightweight and comic relief Next to the likes of Gripper Stebson uh, From back in the days when it was a bit More gritty when there was, it was a proper Nasty school bully and Moore McCall's a bit more, he's a bit funnier I'm having this bit of trouble with
2: some French Translation and I'm depending on you To do something about it by tomorrow Me? Oh why me chaps? I mean it was these two lunatics who got me involved In the first place Yeah but I'm holding you responsible are I? What for? Are you going to be the bounce on the door at Ronnie Burtle's birthday party? What's that got to do with it? Tell him what happens when I get upset, Ted. He kind of like gets
0: physical. But they're so unthreatening that at one point they they are threatening to uh, physically assault John Olford, and he just shoves Ted Fisk in the face, and they don't really do anything about that. Well, fair enough. I just like saying Ted Fisk. (laughs) It's a good name to say. Ted Fisk.
1: My next two notes. First one is poor John Alford is the world's most long-suffering BFF to that old man. So I don't quite know what what happened, but it must have. But there was definitely some eye rolling involved. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't even think they like each other.
1: I, I don't. I don't think they do. They were just together a lot. And then wait a minute, isn't that tiny squeaky child Sean Maguire? It is. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know who it...
0: <laughs> that microbe looks familiar.
1: I, know, I mean, I hats I look almost like that. Child has got Sean Maguire's face. That's so weird. <laughs> oh, hang on a minute.
0: <laughs> That's your actual Sean Maguire.
1: <laughs> I know, God love him. Before he was Aidan and Easties. Um, we're not really going to mention Sean Maguire very much, which is unfortunate because you know,
0: no, we, I mean, we can if you want. I didn't make any notes on it. General
1: it? Cupcake. Yeah. Um, he and his <laughs> <Cupcake>. friend. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> him and his pal have gone to visit a man in a flat, and they've taken him fish and chips, and he is complaining. He's an ungrateful sod. Turns out later on, it's his brother. It's his older brother. He's convict. Yeah,
0: he's escaped from the nick apparently the Young Offenders Institute but he looks a bit old for that
1: he does look he he looks almost the same age as Trev Mm,
0: he does not quite but nearly
1: (laughs) nobody's that old
0: (laughs) yeah his friend's Justine I think is her name I was once at a friend's party and that actress was there oh check you out I didn't interact because they're famous, so they just stayed in Tide and watched videos on the telly. Oh, fair enough. And they didn't interact with the rest of us. This is a long time ago. This was when I was in the sixth form at school.
1: Really, the main thing the main thing that happens in this episode, of course... Is my mate Ziggy, my fellow compatriot, spending the entire time running around trying to chase everybody up to do somebody else's French homework?
0: With his best friend and my ginger role model, he was my favourite character when I was when I used to watch it was Luke Gonch Gardner.
1: Gonch, yeah, I love Gonch.
0: Yeah, I and love him. And you know, I'm
1: honestly, honestly, he is he is quite a Leslie character.
0: <laughs> he's a lot more confident than Leslie, but he's got the Leslie hair. He's
1: definitely got the Leslie hair. Mm-hmm. Also, you know. Uh, the Leslie aptitude for the impossible crush. I mean, God love him. He is so in love with that girl. Crikey. Oh, Mandy. I totally shipped
0: it. Oh, yeah. And also, Mandy's totally my type. I mean... I know. When I was the appropriate age, of course. But, yeah, the brainy one. The brainy one in specs. Yeah.
1: It was a beautiful thing and i hope they ended up getting married
0: they do end up together by the end of the series Yay! this is the final series involving these characters and they do end up it ends up working out for them they probably got married yeah i would imagine so yes uh, mandy fremont this is the first time we see her in this episode so she's although she's the same age as these characters and they've all been in it for years this is her inter- introductory episode and frankly grange hill has long been crying out for a swatty brain box because that's kind of the one sort of character they don't really do very often swatty brain box girl with glasses and that's how you know she's swatty brain box because she's the only one of the girls wearing glasses
1: it's definitely the only way that you know yes. how intelligent a person is they do seem rather interesting certain animals in their relationship to forestation
2: she
0: meant horses jumping over fences
2: i know what she meant mate and i also know she was having a right pop at us
1: still she didn't grasp to robson did she That's all that matters. She knows what she said. I loved it. I loved that. She was great. She was great.
0: Gonch is trying to be all subtle about the fact that he's got a total crush on her.
1: I I mean, he's trying to be subtle, but it's like he may as well wear a giant neon sign over his head that says, I like
0: you. It says, Swoon. (laughs) (laughs) And why not?
1: Why not? Mm-hmm. Indeed, why not? Indeed.
0: Gonch Gardener is the best.
1: There's nothing wrong with a respectable. There's nothing wrong with a respectable tall geeky girl. That's what I say.
0: Is it ginger bias that my two favourite characters are Gonch Gardener and Trevor Cleaver? No. Do you think this just bias on my part?
1: Is it bias on my part that my favourite character is Ziggy? <laughs>
0: Probably not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ziggy is very good. I
0: mean, in terms of perf- entertaining performance, I think he is also up there as just somebody who's just very, very confident and completely owns the screen when he's on. And Yes. Christopher George, I think his name is, or George Christopher. He's got two first names, so it's difficult got two first names. know which way around they go. Uh, uh, Georgina, uh, glad I've didn't you? Well, actually, I was waiting for you. But listen, anyway, I've
2: got this French translation here, right? I want you could do it for me. Well, why should I? Well, you see, because it's not for me for Marla. Marla? Get me out. No, 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 that's not what you think it is, I mean, we pay you for it. Oi, what's going on? It's only you can see on your Oh, no. Are you ready, George? Yeah. Yeah, Georgina, so What? Okay. Who's staying here? What's going on? I told you it's not your business, mate. Just watch it, Greaves. Don't go get no ideas about Bertle's party, all Right? Well, what ideas? Don't come that low with me, you know what I'm on about. Georgina, she's already booked. Does she know that, does she, say? No, but you do. That's what I'm worried about at the moment. Now, go on your way like a good little chappy.
1: He was little Jimmy Corkhill in Brookie. I wouldn't have known him from Grangehill, but I would have known him from Brookside because, you know, it was. We ended up moving. We ended up moving a- away from Merseyside altogether mm-hmm. when I was about six, and um, Brookside was really the only way that we got to hear people speaking. normally. <laughs> <laughs> and also, my mother was in love with the fellow who played Billy Corkhill, oh, really? but she couldn't say Corkhill. She, used- she used to call him Corkindale. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Heather's mum.
1: Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, yes.
0: No, Ziggy's very good. I, I, I like how organic their, their um, nicknames are, Ziggy and Gonch, because they don't really relate to their names. It does feel like actual nicknames.
1: There are some really bonkers names.
0: No, I don't know what a Gonch is. Why is he called Gonch? But I I like that because there's sort of these roundabout nicknames that actually do kind of grow organically onto people rather than just kind of like... He's yeah. not just called Greavesy. He's called Ziggy for no apparent reason. I
1: wonder if Ziggy play guitar.
0: Yeah, he's he's jamming good with Weird and Gilly. Yeah, you'd think. Here are two more characters to meet. <laughs> it's just like a uh, the conveyor belt. Of these It is,
1: there are a lot of people.
0: Generally quite miserable looking children. And this is possibly the most miserable looking of all of the children is uh, Georgina Hayes, who is just an embodiment of sulk.
1: She is very sulky. Yes,
0: although she is being stalked by Trevor Cleaver.
1: Yeah, he's like properly, properly... Uh, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a threatening thing. I would certainly not like it. Um, and everybody keeps telling him to back off and leave her alone. And she's like, she's tiny. And he is, you know an old giant (laughs)
0: he's an old giant
1: (laughs) and then the short the short-haired girl who is with her there was some serious lineage that would not have happened now because the girl because the short-haired girl whose name i don't know
0: helen kelly
1: helen kelly she wants to be an. En- she decided that she wants to be an engineer.
0: Yes, this is the episode in which she decides she wants to be an engineer.
1: And um, she goes to she goes to see the uh, vocational guidance counselor. Vocational
0: guidance counselor. Vocational
1: guidance counselor. Um, she goes there, and the vocational guidance counselor says, uh, "You can't be an engineer. You're a girl. Why don't you be a secretary?" <laughs> Or yes, a child, a child minor. Minor. She's like, what the actual, <laughs> ever-living, and I cannot stress this enough, fudge.
0: <laughs> she's furious.
1: She is furious. And, like, you know, fair play, fair mm. play. And she does, and she properly calls out the misogyny, you know, like, mm. would you would you be offering these career options to boys? And she's like, yeah, sure, of course we would, no. And he goes,
0: yes, of course. Yeah, I think Maula McCall would make a great babysitter
1: couldn't just couldn't even be like that
0: just wow that's just oof yeah that that whole thing of her uh, i i actually misread the scene when i watched it originally so this this contains the scene because she does become properly obsessed by wanting to be, that becomes her thing wanting to become an engineer yeah. and this this episode is is the, the point at which she realizes this and at the time i read it possibly unfairly that she was just impressed by the Handsome structural engineer who comes in.
1: I thought that no, I that I wrote that I wrote that oh, down. Really? In fact.
0: that's funny because, because watching it now, I don't, I didn't read it that way anymore. So I sort of went. I remember him being really cool, but he's not at all. He's this really, he's a terrible actor for a start. He's incredibly wooden. He was awful. He, she's acting him off the screen. Hello. What brings you back here?
1: Just interested. You found out what caused it yet?
0: Oh, it's fairly obvious straight away
2: cowboy builders and the old ceiling started to crack. instead of completely replacing it they just put a skim of plaster over the top of it and screwed the suspended ceiling straight into that.
1: so all the old stuff that was falling off was still there only held up by the new stuff?
2: for a while yes. it's heaven you think plaster. all the vibration the people walking the floor above was bound to bring it down sooner or later.
1: Well, if it was as obvious as you say it was why are you still checking?
2: just to make sure there's nothing else involved. look it's my job to make sure it's structurally sound before the necessary repairs are done.
1: That's why you're called a structural engineer. Here,
0: do you want to have a look?
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, but this time I I, I read it that she just found it genuinely interesting and like oh this is fascinating. Yeah,
1: no, I that's that's yeah, I definitely read it that it there was some kind of a huh. a, a crush thing happening, but. Maybe I was probably judging you by my own standards <laughs> because you know me—I fall in love seventeen times a week.
0: Um, this is true. I, I mean, I fancy everybody. If there's one thing we're an expert in, it's crushers. It's,
1: it, we we fancy people like nobody else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in both senses of the word. <laughs> I attract I attract women like flies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, she is, she's very annoyed about being told to be a secretary or a babysitter.
0: Understandably. And, and also, to my own credit, aged 14, I remember thinking, that's awful. She should be allowed to be an engineer <sighs> if she wants. That's terrible. She's just being told to be a secretary.
1: I mean, I would like to now, at this point, stand up for the secretaries because I obviously mean, that was my... Hmm. That was my that was my career before I became ill.
0: Well, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a secretary,
1: but there's it's nothing just like... wrong with being a secretary. But like, if I if if I didn't want to be a secretary, then no, exactly. and I did want to be an engineer. Then I don't think the fact that I'm not a boy should preclude me. Exactly. But yeah, the, the secretaries do get quite a bit of bashing in in these two episodes. Well, it's better than being a secretary. Well, actually, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of businesses that, in fact, no business, would actually happen were it not for a yeah. secretary. And uh, just ask, just ask any doctor about the importance
0: of secretaries. Yes, at the no. End. N- n- no shade here from secretaries, but certainly anyone with ambitions to be an engineer shouldn't be told that they should just be a secretary instead. That's fact. And be a good girl and run along now, Danny Kendall. That's essentially what happens in this episode. It's just we meet a bunch of teenagers who are doing stuff. Yes,
1: they carry on doing stuff in the next episode. But the next episode is uh, six episodes later, so stuff's happened, so I am totally confused on (laughs) (laughs) this. Well, I wanted to
0: say that it's weird that I enjoyed the show because, of course, I would have spent already eight hours at secondary school and then come home and spent another 25 minutes watching some other people at secondary school. But I think it was quite enjoyable to watch it at a distance in a non-participant way. Mm. And it's a bit like watching horror films. You get to experience the situation this unpleasant situation without actually experiencing it. You can step away from it at any moment and not have to have any of the consequences from it. So it's a sort of vicarious way of going through the school day and watching these other people doing it. But at the same time, it's kind of idealised because you have this group of characters. It's a bit like Prisoner Cell Block H as well in that, that respect, that you have this group of characters trapped together in this enclosed limited environment and it's very structured but you have characters within it are testing the boundaries of what's allowed and what they can get away with and that creates the drama and it's idealized in the sense that this is the school experience we all wish we could have had certainly in this much more playful era of the show when it is about this group of firm friends but they're very time-limited firm friends you don't get any sense necessarily that these will be lifelong buddies Uh, And that's not even important. It's not a poignant thing that they won't necessarily be lifelong buddies because they're very ephemeral and they're just getting up to amazing hijinks in the here and now and doing all the larks that we wish we could do and casually interacting with each other and bantering and being very witty and being indignant in that comical way that they all seem to be doing.
1: Yeah, I don't remember any such hijinks going on at Talton High School.
0: They're not bored... And I think being at school, one of the primary emotions is boredom, and that's the one that's stripped out entirely. There's always something going on. So we've jumped from Series 12, Episode 3 to Series 12, Episode 9. This is the episode that Daisy is watching in Spaced.
1: That means nothing
0: to me. Oh, Vienna. In a masterstroke of scheduling, this era of Grange Hill was repeated in the mid-90s in the late mornings on Sundays on BBC Two. I seem to remember. So it was perfect for groggy students to reacquaint themselves with the sober world. I mean, I was quite a well-behaved student, but I remember one particular morning after quite a uh, rambunctious evening, just lying on the sofa, enjoying vintage Grange Hill, which at this stage would have been about six years old, but it felt... Like something from my distant past Wow by the time we reach this episode Danny Kendall's gone missing no one knows where he is
1: who is Danny Kendall was he met was it...
0: he is the he's Mr Bronson's actor. oh
1: he's the one the one that uh, that michael sheard was shouting
0: at that's right yes right okay he's gone missing mr bronson's car's gone missing it's assumed that he has stolen mr bronson's car right because he's not he's not a bad kid he's not a tearaway he's just very disaffected and quite unusual he's a very talented he's a talented artist but he's hard it's difficult to get him to actually concentrate on anything or commit to anything or
1: he's got adhd poor impulse control difficulty concentrating have, like just getting up and doing your own thing, being very creative. Yeah, that's... The uh, uh, kid's got ADHD. It could well be,
0: yeah. But he is just instead relentlessly bullied by Hitler in a wig instead of actually getting any help for it.
1: Absolute sod.
0: <laughs> Isn't he? But he's so yes, he's, he's gone, gone missing. missing.
1: And they're, they're taking bets on... Whether
0: he's going to turn up again or not. Yes, uh Ziggy and Gonch are running a sweepstake.
1: Yes, they are, in the tuck shop.
0: Uh and I I enjoyed the rueful, I didn't understand kid. I
1: know, God bless him.
0: A <laughs> tiny little kid. Like something out of Bugsy Malone.
1: He just uh... He really is. He's so he's so small that that John Olford actually had to crouch down to be <laughs> on eye level with
0: him. That's how short he was. He's bet twenty p he did, uh, and his winnings would be seven p, and he doesn't understand that he wouldn't also get the twenty p back, and he's heartbroken, and he just repeats, "I didn't understand, but I didn't understand." Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would literally be me though. a hundred percent. That is that is how I would do. Gun.
0: Right, and another one at 3 Wait, to 1 on, uh, yeah. Alan Parker. You do get your stake money back, don't
1: you? Of course you don't, no one else's. Well,
0: listen, you know how to bet I put on? Get yeah. money back. <laughs> he wants his money back, though. Right, uh, next turn, uh, 15 to 1. Oh, so, on. I'm sorry, pal, but you don't get your stake money
2: return. That's not fair, I didn't understand. That's not meant, you're not meant to understand, man. Right? You don't understand
0: things, do you? I didn't understand. I know you never
2: understand, but you're a sad man, really, yeah? I mean, we're not Trevor Cleavers or nothing.
0: I did understand. well what happened i didn't understand i
2: told you didn't
0: understand come i made a note because there is some diversity in the casting it's not it's not an all-white cast but it's no the, the note i made it's very black and white casting there are no asian kids there's no muslim kids or sikh kids or you know no no it's it's only white kids and some black kids and that's entirely it and even you know Going to school in Newport Paganley in Buckinghamshire, I went to school with Muslim kids and Sikh kids, and there's not a single turban among the you know in the entire playground, which is very unrealistic,
1: yeah, especially for London, which exactly. has always been, yeah, North London.
0: it's been very mixed, especially cosmopolitan, hmm. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, like, I went to I think I went to a 100% white school but and in fairness it was an inbred village in the middle of Lancashire and everybody was related to each other. Yes. So um, people only had like three fingers on each other.
0: <laughs> it sounds very much like where I grew up.
1: It would make sense for, for that area where nobody moves in and nobody moves out like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory um, but for North London absolutely not. No. Yeah I would definitely be expected
0: more people. Yeah, just a, just a much more of a mix of backgrounds and religions yeah. and ethnicities. And, like, you know, diversity
1: isn't ginger kids.
0: Sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll give them that. We're very well represented.
1: You're so well represented. <laughs> like, they're all
0: ginger. <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> Even Mr Bronson's toupee. Is ginger. It's certainly more diverse than Prisoner Cell Block H, but that's not saying anything. But it, it's certainly not, even for like late 80s, it's certainly not, I don't think, close to being representative. No, definitely not. I made a note there's a nice bit of sound design in one of the scenes where they're having a lesson about different ideologies, and you can hear oh, recorder yeah. practice going on in a different room. Which is yeah, quite atmospheric. Yeah, I,
1: I, I thought at first it was me having a weird auditory hallucination. <laughs> or... Now,
2: is the same behaviour always considered deviant? sorry miss sorry
0: can you think of an example of the
1: same behavior being condemned in one group and approved in another
2: um no miss no miss not fair miss
1: what about rowdy behavior do you think that students are judged as harshly as football supporters after a match uh
0: suppose not miss no suppose they're not it's all on a studio set, but it does make it feel yeah. like a real school. That sort of detail. Yeah. They didn't have to put in a recorder practice, but it does. It adds to it, and it you for, you know you just assume it's a school.
1: That's right.
0: I've I've just written here. I liked Mandy.
1: Aww. So gosh. And he's trying. Oh, uh, I like I liked this because he was trying to get dating advice from Ziggy. He says it doesn't matter how brainy you are. It's a matter of charm, sex appeal, wisdom, being streetwise. You see, ask a scouser. Exactly. We've got it all in spades. In spades.
0: Gonch has this weird idea, which seems to be seems to have come from a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, that if Ziggy asks Mandy out, she'll be repelled by him and will be more interested in Gonch. And also, Georgina will then step up her game at the same time, none of which really makes sense in any psychological way. That
1: makes sense. Absolutely zero sense whatsoever. (laughs) It's a terrible
0: (laughs) idea, Gaunch.
1: There's there's a weird bit of storyline that goes on in this episode where, for some unknown reason, the two school bullies are after Ronnie's bag.
0: Oh, it's because it's got her keys in it so they can steal her scooter. And Mr Griffiths, the caretaker, played by George A Cooper, who, like Michael Sheard, is clearly doing a bit because it's all the acting is generally quite realistic. I mean, the kids are kind of playing it for comedy, but in a realistic way. Yeah. But Michael Sheard and George A. Cooper are both doing a bit. They're both playing very heightened characters. Yeah.
2: You know you've noticed me sticking that bike I you know go. it is your bike, I know oh, it is. Excuse
1: me, excuse me. If, over if here. I had
2: my way, you would not be coming to school on this in the first place. No, my man. You if, do say that. If you ask it? me, giving a motorbike to a oh, girl I'm of your age is asking for it. You, yourself yourself oh, you do do it. you will kill yourself on that. I'm just get away with it. She's going to flash up reason. If she hadn't come on it in the first place, these things were not about. Am I right? Of course I'm right. Oh, my
1: dear. The caretaker is just absolutely we thought we thought the vocational guidance council law was bad but this this oh my god i almost leapt through the screen and bumped him on the nose (laughs) give a motorbike to a girl what what what, what's wrong what giving a motorbike to a girl your age is a mistake what no it's not because she was doing fine she was doing fine with the motorbike. It was fine. It was doing no harm to anybody. It was those two stupid boys who were boys <laughs> who stole it. Why aren't you shouting at them? They broke the freaking wall.
0: <gasps> yes. So th- he essentially blames Ronnie Bertles for having her own scooter stolen and they two awful boys run off scot-free. Maula McCall and Ted Fisk. I'll repeat that. Ted Fisk.
1: Ted Fisk. That's right. Ted Fisk.
0: Ted Fisk.
1: We're going to get T-shirts
0: made with Ted Fisk on. Ted Fisk's face.
1: Yes. <laughs> Actual Ted Fisk's face, but also underneath it will be written Ted Fisk's face. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's quite a Bugsy Malone type character as well. He's he's definitely the like the, the mobster's sidekick. The, the little guy with the squeaky voice. Then... It's, it starts to snowball towards this very famous conclusion to this episode. It starts essentially with a uh, genial Scottish teacher, Mr Mackenzie, asking Gonch or Ziggy to take a bin bag out to the, the bins on their way home.
1: I think, does, does the chase not start because Trev is once again trying to get hold of Georgina and Ziggy shouts at him and tells him to leave her alone? and then throws throws the bag of Raw
0: bishop, Trev, and that lady that is what leads to the chase yes that's right i i like that chase bit because it's just nice to be out the school and it's nice to do something that's that's just visual yeah and it's not dialogue based it's them running around and they're out of the school environment and it's a bit of action to it and it's very very memorable but, just because of what it leads up to, but it's you know that that whole very visual scene leading up to the their discovery at the end is is seared into the memory of everyone watching. Mm. And actually, in my mind, I was surprised it was as late as nineteen eighty nine because I thought this all happened much earlier in the run. But oh, no, this is this is right at the very end of the eighties. So they are in this really grotty, gloomy garage full of junk and old mattresses, and it looks very seedy. And they discover Mr Bronson's abandoned car. It's Bronson's car, they say. They
1: do, they say exactly that.
0: They go, hey, and then lads,
1: once... hey, lads, look at that, will you? No, Adam.
0: You know, it was great for Mr <laughs> Bronson at the time. Hey, look at oh, John, oh, will you? What's the matter, John? Love, blue is? <laughs> There's only one way to go out. How's that? Singing. Singing.
1: <laughs> they go out to investigate the car, and they're like, "Oh, Danny's in here. Oh, he's asleep. Oh, come on, Danny, wake up!" And then they're like, "Oh, he's not moving. Hmm, hmm. This is looking a little bit awkward." And then they open
0: the car door, and then in a yes, in a sudden change of tone,
1: Danny's head falls out. Yeah. Not literally. not like is it, <laughs> it's still attached is... to
0: him. But his eyes are wide open.
1: He is quite blatantly what I can only describe as dead.
0: He's he's quite dead at this point, yes.
1: He's 100% not living.
0: And it was definitely a shocking moment. I remember it well. I was shocked. Because it wasn't flagged up before. It wasn't one of these things that you, you get quite a lot nowadays. Like, tune in to see Danny Kendall's death. All that kind of stuff. You know, we We had no idea it was coming. And unlike... Prisoner Cell Block H, or even something like The Bill. Grange Hill had a very, very... It's a very, very low fatality programme. It doesn't have a lot of deaths. There are maybe three or four in total. So this is quite a rare and shocking thing. And particularly for the viewers, because Danny Kendall had been around for a good few years. He's a long-running character. He's a very memorable character. He's quite likeable in his own sort of rebellious, off-in-his-own-world sort of way. And he just dies.
1: Just like that.
0: And do you know what? I don't think we ever find out why. What? As far as I know, I, I might look this up now. I might do a quick well, bit yeah, of... Yeah, look
1: it up, because I, uh, because I, need, I need to know. Because,
0: of course, in the subsequent episodes, there are, there are rumours going around that he was murdered by Mr Bronson, but th- this, of course, isn't true.
1: Um, no, because if, Johnny... if Mr Bronson was going to murder him, he wouldn't put him in his own car. Oh, the artistic rebel died of a vague neurological disorder in the back of arch-enemy Mr. You-Boy Bronson's car. Uh, A vague neurological disorder. So he just died, natural causes.
0: Oh, Mr. You-Boy Bronson. Yes, that was his catchphrase, that he'd bellow out of windows and down corridors. You-Boy! I didn't want to bring the the mood down by ending on that note, but it's one of those very memorable bits of TV that if you're there and you watch it, you never quite forget it.
1: I can imagine that. It was quite surprising, frankly, at the time.
0: And also, partway through the series, we're only in episode nine out of twenty.
1: Yeah, um, especially and especially because it was such a drastic, drastic change of tone. Because it was just, it was all just high jinks, and then high jinks, and then a dead body falls out of the car, like, but, and then the credits go up just while you're like, wait a minute, but
0: yeah, with some some weird rock music. Yeah, it doesn't go straight to the end, of the closing theme tune. They have some weird, sinister rock music first. They do. It's 80s rock, uh, which then goes into Chicken Man as usual. So that's quite strange.
2: Hey boys, look! That's just car. We found. Look, Danny's in a—he's asleep, and he. Hey, Danny, Danny. Do you think he's all right? He ain't moving,
0: is he? I think we'd better get out. course we always ask whether you'd watch these again when we get to the question part, which we may be there now. Honestly, unless you really, 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 really liked it, there's no real reason that I for me to expect that you'd watch this again. No, uh,
1: no. Now now I know now I know how Danny died. Uh yeah, no I'm good now.
0: Because I think it is one of those things you have to be either fifteen to enjoy or to you have to have watched it at the time.
1: Yes, I think so, I think so um, I just don't need any I don't need any reminders of that awful period in my life No, exactly So so no, I shall be watching it again I didn't hate it, but no. I just don't I enjoyed the episodes that we watched It was, it was fine You got
0: to uh, enjoy some forbidden fruit
1: I did <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear I made that sound and a lot
0: more um, salacious than I intended to
1: <laughs> it did sound a little odd.
0: came out sounding a bit wrong there. D- did you have a favourite character? I know, I- I- I'm pretty sure who your least favourite character is. I mean, I can certainly oh, guess oh. at it. Uh, I-, I-, I would say Mr Bronson. He-,
1: he was pretty nasty, but he was only in a
0: scene. That's true, he wasn't so in it much. So scene. I didn't just get anything, to spend yeah. any time with
1: him. He was-, he was like my worst moment of, he was like my worst scene. My favourite, can I have two favourite characters? Because oh, you can I- have
0: as many as you like. There's a lot of them to choose from.
1: Robbie and Ziggy, really, <laughs> for, for the most obvious reasons. Yeah, um, it was just really, it was just really nice getting to see John Alford acting mm. um, because nobody's seen that for a really long time. He was good at it, um, and also Ziggy was the only one that I understood. <laughs> 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 I mean, literally, even even by my standards, he's got a really really thick Scouse accent that is not. It's not your bog standard Beatles accent. No, it's, it's proper like, proper isn't particular it? Path it's like, at last, at last somebody's pronouncing vowels for Longyong. <laughs> it's, it's been a while since I've heard anybody rolling the Ks. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, those two are one of my favourites.
0: My, you should put that on a t shirt. It's been a while since I've heard anybody rolling their Ks. Um, yeah, I think, like. <laughs> I think my favourite characters were uh, Gonch, uh, basically the ginger massive, Gonch and Trevor, uh, and also uh, Mandy Fremont as well, of course. <laughs> well, thank you for watching this. Thank you for for thank going, you going for to introducing this place. Me. Yeah, you're more than welcome. You've you finally gone
1: there. I, I have. I mean, I hadn't imagined it to be anything. It was just a, well, that's all right, I don't want to watch it anyway, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was um, It was certainly a drama about school. So, it was, yeah. yeah. Thanks for that. yeah
0: um, quite a jolly one, obviously.
1: Uh, it was, yeah, it was all right. I, yeah, no complaints. No Good. complaints at all.
0: Apart from um, what you have.
1: So thank you very, very much for introducing me to the wonderful world of Grange Hill. Man and up. for oh. letting me see tiny John Alford and fetal Sean Maguire. That was... <laughs> <laughs> that was a great moment for me in, in, in both instances. Uh, and thank you, everybody for tuning in to another episode of RetroTube. It's been a joy as ever. We love recording these. If you want to get in touch with us and ask us anything or tell us anything, that would be great. Uh, our Twitter account is at Retro tube and our email address is retrotubepodcast no, at gmail.com. And we love hearing from you. we're dead good at getting back to you. So, you know, the world. Yeah, so that's all of the words that I have got in my vocabulary right now. How about you? Would you like the last word, Adam?
2: Don't be impertinent, boy!
0: This is Adam S. Leslie, co-host of this very podcast. My folk horror novel, Lost in the Garden, is now out and available in all good bookshops, including Blackwells and Waterstones. Don't talk to strangers, don't play on the farm, and don't go to Almonby. Heather's on-off boyfriend Stephen has gone to the mysterious village of Almonby. He went for two weeks, and no one has seen him in six months. The only trace of him which remains is his voice, distantly calling for help, drifting across the fizz of shortwave radio. With a couple of friends in tow, Heather sets off through a warped, distended version of the English countryside, baking in perpetual summer, to track Stephen down, and to find out for herself why everyone says, don't go to Almondby. Author Eric LaRocca called Lost in the Garden, eerily enchanting and profoundly inventive, a dreamy and unsettling masterwork. This is one of the freshest and most spiritually rewarding novels I've read in quite some time. And author Matt Wozolowski described it as like trying to recall a troubling and beautiful dream. It's like peering through a wound in the world, sorrowful and uncanny and utterly stunning. This book is magnificent, like nothing I've ever read before. Thank you, Matt and Eric. Lost in the Garden by Adam S. Leslie, published by Dead Books, priced at 10 99 Look for the pink and white cover.